Well, today is called Good Shepherd Sunday because in all three years of the lectionary cycle, years A, B, and C, we're in C right now, the gospel passage is the passage from John where Jesus speaks about himself as the Good Shepherd. Pope Paul VI also, about 40, 50 years ago, uh, declared this day um, World Day of Prayer for Vocations. Now, it's true that everybody has a vocation, uh, but Paul VI did intend this day to be a prayer for vocation, specifically for uh, vocations to the priesthood and to religious life. And I'd like to speak about religious life, but I can only speak about so much in a, in a homily, so I'm going to talk about the priesthood. And, um, you know, I, when, when I speak with, with young men about the priesthood, a common refrain is, well, but I think the, the, big, the biggest... Um, Hindrance or stumbling block for young guys to become a priest is the issue of celibacy. Okay? I would say that's probably the number one issue. So the young guys say, well, this is cool. I mean, I like the idea of a priesthood, but I mean, I, but Father, I, I like girls. And then I say, well, I hope so. You see, actually, unless the man or the young man would make a good husband, he's not going to make a good priest. Okay? So you kind of got to have things lined up at the natural level, okay? You have a natural desire for, for romantic love, for uh, marriage, for the love between a parent and a child. And then that love and those kind of natural goods and natural desires, which are very good and, and from our Creator, they're not suppressed. So psychologically, what the psychologists call, there's not a suppression, but there's what's uh, called a sublimation, of those desires. They're not, they're not like suppressed and pushed down and the person lives a life he's fr- frustrated all the time, okay, because his desires not being fulfilled. Those natural desires are actually lifted up by God's grace, elevated and ordered towards a greater love. So it's not about denying these, the, this kind of love. It's about taking it and letting it be swallowed up by a greater love. It's letting it be lifted up and elevated and supernaturalized and directed towards uh, the love of God and the love of all human beings. So that's just kind of one thing to get out of the way. I think it's a big stumbling block for guys. But I'd like to speak about the importance of the priesthood uh, by way of talking about the sacraments, and two in particular, the Eucharist and the Sacrament of Reconciliation. St. Padre Pio, St. Pio said that the world can more easily exist without the Son than it can without the Mass. The world can more easily exist without the Son than without the Mass. Recently I uh, read a testimony from a woman who had uh, a near-death experience in 1995. That was my high school graduation year. Um, She had a near-death experience. She's probably, I would guess, mm, in her 30s at the time when she had it. She's still alive. It's a woman from Colombia. Gloria Polo is her name. And, um, you know, it's a private revelation, so you take it or leave it according to your own judgment. Uh, for me, it's credible, um, mostly because her life was very much transformed. She lived a sinful life beforehand after the near-death experience. She uh, lived a very devout Catholic life, and she goes around from parish to parish sharing her testimony. She, had, she got struck by lightning. She was in a coma for three days, and she had this amazing experience where uh, she, kinda, she didn't go to heaven, but she kind of came, she approached heaven, and she kind of saw it from afar. She experienced mostly purgatory, in fact. She saw all the souls in purgatory and all the different levels in purgatory, sufferings and the prayers and the labors that those who are in purgatory go through. 
And uh, she herself was very much convinced that she was heading to hell. And God gave her a second chance, essentially, let her come out of her coma and come back and live the rest of her life um, on the basis of the prayers of the people of Columbia who saw her story in the newspaper and were praying for her uh, and the prayers of the saints in heaven. It's, it's really a lot too much to get into, but in this course of her, this kind of cosmic journey she takes, she gains insights into the sacraments. And one of the, one of the things she says about the Eucharist, she says this, as she approached heaven, she saw it all full of light. It was just this huge amounts of light, resplendent, beautiful, glorious light. And she said the light of heaven was the Eucharist. It's kind of a hard statement to understand. It's a vision. There's a lot of mystical uh, meanings and symbolism in there. So how do we interpret it? I'm not sure exactly, but my guess is something along the lines of this. Light is that by which we see each other. It's the medium of our knowledge of one another. It's the medium of our communication and our communion and fellowship with one another. And so, but what is the Eucharist but that, okay, in a much higher sense? The Eucharist is that which joins us together. It's the medium of our communion with each other. That's why we call it communion. So it's our communion with Christ. It's our, uh, our communion with one another. And she says the Eucharist is the doorway to heaven and that no one goes to heaven without the Eucharist. Now, this is a very interesting thing. She says this. Again, take it or leave it on your own judgment. It's a private revelation, but I think it has a good illustration. She says that, for example... Even if a person is not a formal member of the Catholic Church, um, and according to my understanding of theology, this is, this is orthodox. It's nothing funny about this. She says, for example, say there's a Protestant Christian on their deathbed. Okay? They've never received the Eucharist their entire life. They might not even, de- they might, they might not believe it. They might not even, they might even deny it. Okay? But on their deathbed, if they've been living according to their conscience to the best of their ability, and their ignorance is, you know, in good faith, and they're not guilty for their ignorance, and they're in Christ's friendship, Jesus comes to them on their deathbed, and he allows them to basically come to the nearest Mass that's being offered, and to be present at that Mass, and to receive communion in a kind of a spiritual or mystical sense, kind of a viaticum, that that becomes their doorway into heaven. And at that point, they, they understand the incredible beauty of the Eucharist that Jesus gave himself not only on Mount Calvary, but also he gave himself to us in the sacrament of the Eucharist. And uh, even when the soul who's, who's not a formal member of the Catholic Church passes into eternity, very likely they go into purgatory. Purgatory is, being, is a place where there's cleansing and purifying taking place through the power of the Mass. The Mass is what keeps the world running. We think there's a lot of evil in the world right now. There is. You take the Mass away, and it's going to get a lot uglier and a lot more evil, and darkness will be something so intense it will swallow humanity up and we'll just be tearing each other apart. It's the grace of Calvary that's communicated to us in the here and the now through the Mass. Uh, it is what uh, is to the world, what the sun is to the world. It's the light of the world, and without it, we're all in darkness. But the Mass depends upon the priesthood. The Mass depends upon the priesthood. This sacrament is so great that the sacrament of holy orders is as supportive of the Eucharist. It's worthy of a young man's total life dedication and aspirations. Be dedicated completely to that sacrament. No doubt about it. I have no doubts in my mind. Also, she, had, she shared her insight into the uh, sacrament of reconciliation. She says, uh, 
in the sacrament of reconciliation, this kind of a spiritual event takes place whereby the penitent who uh, makes a good confession enters into the wounds in the hole in Jesus' side and into the hole in his heart and goes into the center of his heart and is washed clean of their sins by his precious blood. And that the priest is essentially the doorway into Jesus' heart. And uh, this ties into uh, another saying of another saint. St. John Vianney said that the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus Christ. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus Christ. And I can say for sure, in my own priesthood, my own experience, I don't, I'm a pretty relatively new priest. I've only been ordained for almost three years now. But I can say just in these short three years of ministry, that that's true, that the, the love of Christ, I feel like I am an expression of Christ's love in the world. And it's a very deeply fulfilling uh, role. And I can say that my role as confessor is probably the most rewarding uh, part of my priesthood. Something that's not known very well, widely because, you know, we, we keep things quiet about the sacrament as, as we should. Uh, but it, it certainly is, a, is something that's deeply fulfilling uh, for the priest. You, the priest becomes an instrument of Christ's mercy, and it's a wonderful thing to dedicate your life to. And I know that nothing ultimately is lost. So the uh, the forsaking of marriage and family, so forth and so on, ultimately nothing is lost. I know that in eternity I will have a special fatherly uh, relationship with my penitents in a way that really kind of surpasses our understanding. And so for all eternity, the, the confessor has spiritual children just in that limited context, of course, in other contexts as well, but especially in the context of the sacrament of reconciliation. So please, my brothers and sisters, let's pray for vocations. Today is the, the day of prayer for vocations. Uh, and uh, in, encourage our young men to consider the priesthood, uh, our grandchildren, our children. Um, and for parents, sometimes parents become a stumbling block to the, their kids' vocation. They envision their children doing something else than the priesthood, and they become a very serious stumbling block. Don't do that. Okay, if, the, if the kid is interested in the priesthood, encourage that. Okay, we need priests. Um, can I get a commitment on you guys to pray ten Hail Marys today for priests? Okay, I'm going to give you about five seconds to think about that. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Okay, because I want it's, it won't be if you violate it, it won't be a sin. But I want to get some kind of commitment here. Okay, so all right, ten Hail Marys today for priests. Okay, all right, thanks. <laughs>